Take it to the, take it to the top. Take it to the top. You gotta believe me. Take it to the, take it to the, take it to the top. We'll take it to the top. Uh, I made you. All right, back here on the Sports Crime, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing and spinning the one and twos. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. And we are broadcasting here from the Maestro Do Bell Tequila Studios. And right now, it's about that time we are going to be joined by Brett McMurphy, which is uh, Action Network College Football Insider. How you doing this afternoon, Brett? We got him? Is he there? Good. Hey, good. How you doing? hey, I'm doing all right. Thank you, man. Thank you for asking. And of course, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule uh, to join us. I, I've paid attention to your work from afar for a long time, Brett, and I've always respected uh, your college mind and your college takes over the years. And that's why I wanted to kind of get you on the show today, because, again, this has been I mean, I've been talking about for years about college football going toward this whole super conference. And, you know, basically the little sisters of the poor, we're going to have hard time surviving mm-hmm. when we see these, you know, coaches' contracts escalate. But really the Pac-12 situation, and, and everybody know, like yourself, that has care- covered college football for a while, you know, the former Pac-12 commissioner, Larry Scott, a lot of this, in my opinion, and I think a lot of people put this at his footsteps, at his doorsteps. But explain to me, how do you feel? What is your opinion in regards to just not just the landscape of college football, but Pac-12, how did we get to this point uh, so quickly? How did things escalate this so quickly? Yeah, certainly Larry Scott put him in a bad position, but ultimately George Klyovkov, the guy that was hired to replace uh, Larry Scott, is the one that dropped the ball. Um, He was supposed to come in, and his number one goal was to get a new TV deal. Hmm. Uh, You cannot blame USC and UCLA leaving on the commissioner. They're going to leave. They're going to double or triple the amount of money they get. The same with you can't blame former Big 12 commissioner Bob Bowlesby for OU and Texas going to the SEC. It's they're doubling, tripling the amount of money they're going to get. There's nothing a commissioner can do. However, where Klyovkov screwed up is he did not get a TV deal done, and he stood by and watched as Brett Yormark, the Big 12 co- new commissioner, came in and got a new TV deal, and he went early. And everyone went, when he went early, everyone thought, you know what, you're not getting enough money. You made a bad decision. But he looked at it that, you know what, the money's good compared you know, considering they just lost OU in Texas. And also, more importantly, it gave them security, gave them stability through 2031. And then also kind of a consequence of this that I don't think anybody really knew at that point. Now it's, it's very obvious. It capped whatever money the Big 12, the, excuse me, the Pac-12 can get. Hmm. But now the Pac-12 is not going to get more money than the Big 12 because you're without USC and UCLA. And then it was just a matter of missteps the whole way and kind of overplaying his hand. And basically, you know, fast forward to uh, last week, and he presents the Pac-12 presidents with a a deal that's 100% streaming. They're not on ESPN. They're not on Fox. And as Arizona President Bobby Robbins put it perfectly, he said, look, we basically were told we had to sell subscriptions, and I felt like I was back in Little League. I had to go sell – I had to go sell candy bars or go sell Girl Scout cookies. And so, yeah, Larry Scott deserves some of the blame, but ultimately George Klyovkov, whenever you know Texas were gone, he could have taken the teams from the Big 12, but the Pac-12 thought that they were above the Big 12, you know, their high academic standards, you know, and all of that nonsense. 
And ultimately, it bit him in the butt. Well, you know, again, again, we're joined by Brett McMurphy. He's Action Network College Football Insider. You know what, Brett? You kind of led me into my next question to you regarding this because I was going to ask you because I was critical because I felt that, okay, when UCLA and USC announced last year that they were moving to the Big Ten, and that was everybody knew that that was a big financial blow to the conference, and that was pretty much the foundation finally being cracked. How much effort really went into what you see some of these other schools like when OU and Texas announced they were going to SEC immediately Big 12 and I've been very critical of them how they ran their business over the years but to give them credit they were very proactive to try to find other schools that wanted to come how much effort was really when USC and UCLA left how much effort did the Pac-12 put into putting fillers out there to how we replace them how do we do that in regards to just trying to say all all bit for leather we got to get a TV deal well, yeah, certainly they, you know, there were conversations. They could have, they could have merged. They could have merged. They could have taken the leftover Big 12 schools if they wanted. They could have probably took half of them if they wanted, but they chose not to. They decided not to. They decided that they were a strong enough brand because of their academic standing and, you know, whatever else they value, that they were strong enough to go about without the, the Big 12 schools. And so, um, you know, that was obviously a big mistake. If they would have struck first, um, they probably would have got the D they would have had the TV deal. And then who knows what he, the, the Big 12 would have got with the ESPN and Fox. And another thing is, um, you know, with the, with the Big 12 going early with the ESPN and Fox, the Big 10 getting a new, you know, their new monster deal recently, the SEC getting their monster deal with ESPN, there really isn't a lot of windows out there that, that Fox and or ESPN needed to fill. They didn't need an entire Pac-12 package because they were already aligned with the other power, power conferences. And so, again, um, you know, they could have done it. They decided to sit back and wait, and then ultimately their conference, uh, you know, may collapse. It's not, I don't think it's may. I think it will collapse at this point because now they're in a real pickle. They've got four schools left, yep. and to add schools to the conference, you got to draw from the Mountain West. Well, it's going to cost thirty-four million per school for them to to move. And what are you moving to? I don't think that's feasible. You can add teams from the American. That's going to be twenty million. And then you've got to get, you know, say you have eight schools. Well, now you've only got seven conference games. Now you got to schedule five non-conference games. How are these schools that already have three non-conference games scheduled going to find two additional games? For next year, when you know as well as I do that these schools schedule games out 20 years ahead of time. Yep. Nobody has any open dates in 2024. And then on top of that, you've got Oregon State and Washington State that are very much alike. And then you've got Stanford and Cal that are very much alike. And you could not have two, you could not have two groups more different than each other. So I don't even know if they could move on those four together, I think ultimately Stanford and Cal's hoping for an invite to the ACC. We'll see if that happens. And I think ultimately Oregon State and Washington State end up in the Mountain West. Hmm, yeah, and I saw your retweet today about the uh, Mountain West releasing statement like, hey, we ain't going over there. I mean, why would you? And I said that last week. Like, why would they, you know, why would Mountain West teams go into the Pac-12, which I think Pac-12 is dead as we know it. But moving on from this, Brett, because I want to get some things, your thoughts, because I saw your your top 25 release. And, and I want to start in kind of in our backyard region with a couple teams I'm interested in schools. Very interesting. I know you put out your top 25 and you 
you had, I think, Texas, uh, I think, what was it, ranked 20th you had them? You had Texas at 20th, and you had Texas Tech, I believe, at 12, right? You had them at 12 or 11? Uh, Texas Tech was 11 or 12. Yeah. Okay, okay. So, yeah. the, first of all, with Texas, because I know this is the first time they've been favored to go ahead and win the Big 12 in, in a long, long time. Um, where, where do you see this program right now? What, what kept them from probably cracking at least your top 10 uh, preseason? What, what's your thoughts on the uh, University of Texas? I mean, it's recent history. They were, they've been favored the last three years to win the Big 12. And they have <laughs> – and they're, they're favored again – Look, I'm just telling you, right, that's no. against Texas. Right. Yeah, I'm an Oklahoma State grad, so, you, you know, I didn't right. rank Oklahoma State, so I'm not a homer. I hear Look, you. Look, Texas, you got to, you know, the Missouri slogan. you, you got to show me, Texas. I hear you. I mean, you are, the, you are the big truck. You are the big favorite to win the Big 12, but you've yet to do it. And you're right. They're favorite. They're, our analysts at the uh, Action Network have Texas to be favored in 11 games this year. The only game they're not favored is at Alabama. Um, so they should they should win the conference, but I'm not going to fall into the trap that Texas is back until they actually follow through and win the conference. So that's why I put them probably lower than everybody else. Huh. I love what Joey McGuire is doing at Texas Tech. They okay. remind me of TCU last year. Huh. Uh, I did not rank TCU in the preseason, but I was proud to say after week one, I was the the only AP voter that had TCU ranked after the first week of the season. So I think I was ahead of the curve. On the Horn Frogs, Texas Tech reminds me of TCU last year. Incredible wow. offense. Um, you know, Shucks at quarterback. They're going to score a ton of points. You know, I talked to Joey at Big 12 Media Days. He actually thinks the defense, even though they lost some key guys on the defensive line, that they can actually be better as an overall unit defensively. And, look, when you're going to have that offense, you don't have to play great defense. You just have to hold serve a couple of times. Yep. And, and I really and I am going to do this before the season. I've, I've told other people this. Because of how balanced the Big 12 is, and I know Texas is a heavy chalk, and I know OU is supposed to be next behind them, but OU is kind of the same as Texas. Until Venable shows me he can he can win, I'm not I'm not going to rank them. I agree. Uh, but I I believe after those two two schools, your next ten schools, they could finish anywhere from third to twelve, and wow. I would not be surprised any of those schools. I think that's how close it is. That's how competitive it is. I am going to, before the start of the season, I'm going to draw names out of a hat. And I promise you, whatever I come up with for my 1 through 14 will beat some of these preseason magazines because I think that's how – that's how competitive and how balanced this league is. Hey, I know, I know you know your stuff, Brett, and I know we're up against this. But before you get out of here, I have to, you know, I grew up a Deion Sanders fan. Um, you know, that was my era. You know, I'm 46 years old, and you know, of course, you know, Nick Saban, Alabama. That's the team that you know I've kind of had that interest to. And I know you didn't have him in the top five, but we didn't have time to get through that. We'll talk to about that next time, Brett. But the Colorado Buffaloes with Deion. What's your expectations for them in their first season? And do, what is the long time if you had to predict? Is this going to end up being successful with Deion Sanders at, at Buffalo? Um, first year, I think they're going to take their lots. I, I'm, I would be surprised if they win more than three games. Um, they don't have a lot of depth along the defensive line. I think teams are going to take advantage of that. They'll probably be able to put up some points. Um, I do think Deion will get it going there. He will attract elite players. Um, I think they, will be, they can become a bowl team. Can they get to the point where they're going to win the Big 12 championship? Um, you know, with this league, anybody can win it. But I think that's a few years down the road. 
but yeah, this year they open with two nationally televised games with, with TCU and Nebraska. And then they got a tough one against Colorado State, which I actually think Colorado State could upset them. Then they open up Pac-12 play with Oregon and USC. So hmm. they're realistically looking at one and four. Hmm. I can't see them getting about three, three wins in year one. But I do think down the road, Dion will bring in the players and they will d- drastically improve um, possibly a bowl game in year two, but I don't think they'll get there in year one. All right, Brett. Well, man, it was enjoyable. I thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to you, and I definitely want to talk to you again once we get deep into the college football season and seeing how all these conferences are shaking out. All right, thank you. All right, Brett. Again, that is Brett McMurphy, Action Network, College Football Insider. Uh, like I said, I've always um, read Brett's work over the years in regards to color, uh, covering college football. Um, kind of surprising, though, um, you know, how he had would have Texas twin Tech 12, but maybe there's something on the Tech. I've got to dive more into him. I'm kind of like the guy that likes to get through week one, week three, and four and see teams, and I can tell you, because there's the obvious. That's why I didn't want to ask him about, you know, Georgia. You know, I didn't get to Alabama because I see he had Alabama in the top four, which I don't have a problem with it because I want to ask him really what is his concerns about Alabama, but I know most likely Brett don't want to speak for him, but I'm pretty sure he would have started the quarterback position uncertainty there but uh definitely interesting to see that he has that much i mean compare getting texas tech i mean comparing them to last year's tcu uh that's pretty impressive uh that's pretty impressive uh texas but i agree with him i mean you know he said it you know he covers college football uh for years decades i i just feel that texas i agree with them they they've got to show it you know they've got to show it um you know the big 12 I, I kind of feel like they're almost Big 12 favorites finally, almost by default uh, to a certain extent. And that's no disrespect to the others, but uh, we'll see how it plays out. And you got to know, again, how do, I've always preached this on this show. How do you deal with expectations? Okay, and for the first time, Texas, the University of Texas has some buzz and talking about, oh, they're free preseason to win the Big 12. They, have, they haven't been in this situation in a long time, and we'll see how Sark and the guys – uh, handle it. Uh, but it is going to be interesting to see how it shakes out with the remaining of those teams that's left for the Pac-12. And Mountain West, you know, um, Jonas brought it to my attention, that that statement that they released. And I said it when we talked about it when we came in here on Monday. You know, why would they, why would the Mountain West teams run into a burning building? I mean, if anything, like if you want us to come take some of y'all in, then y'all come to the Mountain West and, and do things the way we do things. Okay, that's just that's just common sense. Now, the one thing I didn't get a chance to get uh, to him about that I wanted to touch on and we just kind of start here as we go into the break is that the third team that is being named that the ACC has interest in if they're going to acquire Cal and Stanford. And that particular university is SMU. Hmm. To me. You know, SMU's program has been on the rise over the last few years, okay? Home of Emmanuel Sanders, Super Bowl champion Emmanuel Sanders, okay? Home of Cortland Sutton, I believe. I think Cortland Sutton, SMU. My memory's getting bad, but, yeah, I think he is. Um, Look, it's that's a head-scratcher to me. The, 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 the one that makes sense is going after the Golden Domers. That, I mean, and if you've got to eat a little cheese 
and let them still have part of their contract to have them still operate independently, possibly, but you're still part of this conference, then do it. SMU, Stanford, and Cal doesn't really move the needle, in my opinion, with S. And that's no disrespect to SMU. Now, other thing I didn't get a chance to get to Brett about was Sankey, the, the, the commissioner of the SEC. He was doing an interview on Paul Fonbon's show yesterday, and he got a little jab at the Big Ten, the Big Twelve. He just said, "Hey, we we don't have to, you know, acquire teams out of the West Coast." I'm paraphrasing him to get attention on the West Coast. That was that was a dig at the Big Twelve and the Big Ten. Like, look, SEC, we don't got these problems. We ain't got to sit here and play musical chairs and geographically go grab teams from West Coast so us in the Big Ten or the SEC, our schools down south, can go ahead and get attention on the West Coast. Our brand is bigger than that. That's that's basically what Sankey said. He just he just he just basically just whipped it out. Say, hey, there you go. Y'all doing all this kind of stuff, and we ain't got to do all that. We going we gonna get into the West Coast. Very interesting. But like I said, it's more talk about this than is can Georgia three-peat. It does Alabama, is the quarterback position going to cost Alabama the playoffs again? Things like that. I mean, it's more about the – and it's intriguing. I mean, the landscaping is changing for good. You listen to the sports grind. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing, spinning the one and twos. We'll be back. Texas summers can get hot, but now they're blazing with the new Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary Mix. The latest addition to the Zing Zang lineup brings the same great, bold, and delicious taste that you already know, only much hotter. Shake things up with Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary Mix, made with premium ingredients and crafted for a bold and savory taste, whether with your favorite vodka or with the pre-mixed ready-to-drink cans. Zing Zang, America's favorite Bloody Mary and an official sponsor of the sports grind. Please Zing Zang responsibly. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, Pendleton Whiskey, capturing that unique spirit in every bottle and honoring the enduring legacy of the American West. Pendleton Whiskey is made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood Glacier water, a whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That's Pendleton Whiskey. That's true Western tradition. Pendleton is the official whiskey of the PBR Tour. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Pendleton Whiskey, official sponsor of the sports grind. Are you moving around the greater San Antonio area? Choose the storage experts. Tiger Moving and Storage. Whether you're moving an office or the whole family, Tiger Moving and Storage offers container drop-off and delivery with efficient, prompt, and cost-effective service. To learn more and to secure your portable storage container today, go to choosetiger.com. Tiger Moving and Storage, official sponsor of the sports grind. Right, back here on the sports grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing, spinning the one and twos. 
Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a Dose. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. And this next segment is going to be sponsored by Pilden Whiskey. Keep in mind, Pilden Whiskey is an oak barrel aged whiskey distilled in Canada. Uses some of the finest ingredients from Oregon's highest peak, which is Mount Hood. Also, keep in mind, Pilden Whiskey is the official spirit of the Pro Rodeo Cowboy Association and the official whiskey of the Professional Bull Riding Tour, which is the Velocity Tour, the PBR Velocity Tour. And it's an official whiskey of the Sports Grind and an official sponsor of the Sports Grind. That's how we roll. Miss Sierra, her new single, huh? I saw Russ tweeted out yesterday. Um, I guess we can start there since I didn't know you were going to play that music, but that's, that's funny. You probably just added it just in case things get kind of shaky up there behind center. You can kind of troll me a little bit with Sierra's music. Yeah, get a little bit more in there besides goodies and whatnot. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, but she's still making music. I did not know. Because uh, I did kind of see the part of the video that he tweeted out. Uh, but I guess she revealed her baby bump and made it official, which I thought I heard some rumors months ago, but I thought they were just rumors. But they made it official. They're expecting another child. Now, you said this is their third one, right? This will be their third together, right. her fourth overall. Yeah, because of course, got a little, little future. future. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they've got a six year old and a three year old. And then now, little baby on the way. Yeah, um, it's a lot easier to stay off the red carpet and away from the red wine when the wife can't have it anyway, huh? I would say there might be some truth to that, but even if Sierra wasn't carrying another child for them, I think Russ would have stayed away off the red carpet and uh, away from the wine and the spread and, and all that kind of stuff because uh, his legacy, according to people like you and a lot of people, are on the line uh, here soon. I mean, he. I mean, it was bad, <laughs> you know. Um, we didn't we didn't really get into Matt Ryan's comments yesterday about the Colts. That was on the docket in regards to they were asking him, you know, he works for CBS Sports now and he just said it was a feces show. Okay. Um, but he didn't use the word feces. Okay. I'm giving you the FCC professional take. And I would say it was the same in Colorado and Denver last year with the Broncos. So I think regardless if Sierra wasn't caring or not, he was going to have to change some ways. And, and, and I always knew I was saying it back last. It hit me probably about November of last year in the season. I just said, you know what? Part of the problem is he, he's carrying a little bit too many LBs. Now, again, no one really talked about some of the things that Russ was going on off the field. Supportedly, one of his longtime trainers and friends passed away last year sometime. Nobody really knew that. I mean, evidently that took a toll, was probably taking a toll on him a little bit, and then changing scenery. But make no mistake about it, he knew his legacy was kind of on the line. Now, in regards to the news, in regards to them expecting another one, Look, for my new listeners and my new market out in Denver, I've always had this philosophy. It's just the way I am. I don't have kids. Okay, I'm 46 years old. I've said this 100 times whenever it comes out. If I would have had kids, there's no way this show or this broadcasting company would have basically ever been developed. Just no way. And I just think I've always had this as like, you know, you know, Russ is what, 34, I want to say, 33, 34, around there. Um, right? 34, yeah. And, you know, and he's been through this before, but to me at this stage of his career, it just takes, it's, it's a hell of a lot 
to deal with the newborn and deal and and have and have kids and try to stay competitive and and let me take that back because that's not right not trying to stay competitive but the focus that it has to take in regards to your job and showing up because look at alex morgan I mean, well, no, that's that's you're, kind of, you've got a mother well, there, but you still have a child. It changes your focus. You go from being well, just that's an part, athlete. To, well, that's part why I had the Alex Morgan thing because at that point, I'm talking about the women. Like, look, Russ ain't carrying this baby. Like, just because you wake it up at three or four o'clock in the morning, Sierra's the one that's going through all this for nine months. So my thing with right. So my thing with Alex Morgan was more about the toll that it can take. Not just Alex, professional women, high class athletes, the decisions they make. I'm just saying that it is like that is a task to where it's like, again, because you do have some guys that basically sit there and they choose men and women like, hey, I'm just going to wait till my career's over done playing to have kids. Now, look, you could tell Russ is a genuine family man. You could tell that he loves his family. Uh, he loves his kids. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, hell. I mean, he got a long way to go. I mean, I know he got a long way to go catch up with Tom Brady, but he got a long way to go catch up with Phillip Rivers, too. So, I mean, Phillip Rivers, hell, I think Phillip, and not if I'm not mistaken, I think just a few months ago, Phillip and his wife announced they're having another one. I'm like, my goodness. I don't care how many zeros I'm sitting on in the bank. There's just no way. Like, no way. I don't even know if I want to adopt that many kids, let alone basically really have that many. But each his own. But yeah, baby 10 on the way. But this is a very important season for Russell Wilson. And I think Sierra knows that. I think Little Future knows that. They all know that. Because th- this is a big investment that they've get into Russ. And the way I look at it, you know, with Sean Payton. And see, the problem that, and I've thought about this, the problem that Russ is up against is because people like me and other people that have really paid attention to the National Football League and is passionate and covers it as long as I have, and even just paying attention, not just of the Denver Broncos, but the whole league, the problem Russ is up against is because people that pay attention have seen what Sean Payton has done, not with Drew Brees. I'm talking about with your Jameis Winstons, your Teddy Bridgewaters, your Taysom Hills, a guy that's not even really supposed to be playing quarterback at this level. That that's the pressure. But from what I'm hearing in the reports, and I kind of said this at the beginning of the show, you know, there's a lot of overreaction I feel that's going on in Colorado and Denver in regards to these reports that are coming out of these practices on these 707s. And and you know, pretty much the the defense versus the offense. The defense is always gonna be kind of ahead of the curve on the offense in any type of most situations, let alone a new offense that Sean Payton is installing. Okay, that a lot of these guys had never run. Now, I think some of this offense is going to be kind of uh, catered to Russ, some things he's familiar with. Because I remember Sean, when he before he got the job, when he was on Colin Cowherd and they asked him straight up, like, hey, Colin asked, like, if you had to fix Russ, what would you do? Well, I'll go back to some of his greatest hits. I love the way he puts things. If we slice that tape up, you don't think he, I mean, what's changed since he's actually getting paid damn near close to $18 million to figure this out? But the pressure that they're putting on the offense, I believe, local media wise in regards to, you know, hey, they, you know, now today I'm hearing today's practice. He didn't have one incomplete pass and they went, they marched 70 yards on a, on a two minute drill. Sean, it, it, the one thing I'm taking from what I'm hearing down there is pace from station to station. If it's a drill, you got to run to it. It's pace. It's no walking around. 
See, when you watch that hard knocks last night, <laughs> I mean, look, I ain't gonna, I'm not trying to clap on how they do. There's more ways to skin a cat. And, I, and this is why a lot of teams don't want them cameras there. This is why teams don't really want to mess with HB on hard knocks because there's certain ways you act to camera. But when you look at their, their practice, a lot of conversation, a lot of standing around, a lot of reminiscing like, man, I was in the second grade when you went, yeah, I grew up. Oh, really? Yeah, you know, I talked to my mom and, you know, hey, Aaron, you're going to be here one day. Talking about the Hall of Fame. They're taking in the Hall of Fame. And Sauce just like, well, man, that's the plan. I'll be old and gray by then. <laughs> man, I, just go take a look at that first four weeks of that schedule. We talking about all this. Where, no, what I want the HBO cameras to go in episode two, three, four, make sure we talk to somebody. Make sure we get a look at that offensive line, that suspect that Aaron's going to have to be running behind and, and making plays and hack it, man. That, that, you know, I know I was talking to Russ and Denver, but it, it, they all go together. Hack it last night because I didn't, you know, what I took from him, this guy here, I, you know, I've tried to give George Payton the benefit of the doubt when he took the job a few years ago. And then last year when he stood up and said, no. The pursuit of Aaron had nothing to do with it. Yeah, okay. It's so obvious. Hackett might be. Hackett is Aaron Rodgers' best friend in the NFL. That's why I figured he's employed to that point. The only thing that somebody can make me feel otherwise and think different, if you go back to the year that the Jacksonville Jaguars went to the AFC Championship game with Blake Bortles and he having to have the title of offensive coordinator to hack it. Other than that, these MVPs and everything, I'm put that's LaFleur. I'm putting that more. Hackett is a guy that Aaron likes communicating with. When I hear him talk at practice, when I hear those mics with him, I'm like, no wonder all hell broke loose at Doe Valley last year. But back to the Denver Broncos in this training camp situation. I'm hearing the offensive won the last two days and that they had a great day this morning. And if you hear Sean talk, it's more about the importance of the two-minute drill, not just the two minutes, but basically having it set to exactly the – is it two minutes before the first half? Is it two minutes at the game? But the one thing he said about this game, this preseason game, company said, look, I and he keeps repeating this, I want to be able to evaluate guys when they know what to do, what their assignment is supposed to do. So he said, well, I'm not going to give a bunch of guys th Friday night crossing routes and crossing pair. I want them to go play. So we can evaluate. That's coaching. That's just telling you a little bit the answers to the test on how on how the cake is baked. Mike McGlitchy, news came out on him, out two weeks, sprained knee. Denver is in a situation that I think on in the trenches, and this is when you usually you you usually lose more people in the trenches in football. That's where your injuries are really like every other play, every other week. But I believe this Denver Bronco team, the 2023 team, they can't afford too many injuries in the trenches on the defensive line and on the offensive line, and especially on the offensive line. Because of not just, you know, people talk about timing offense with Sean. Like people think that automatically he's going to have Russ trying to be on the same time as Drew Brees. They're two different quarterbacks. But I think the more important thing about the healthy line staying healthy is the run game with him. And like I said, between Powers and McGlitchy, that's a lot of money 
that the Pinter group spent. And having one of them out, good news, it's only a slight sprain that can linger maybe a while, even past two weeks, but they have him out two weeks. He should be there for week one. 877-37-GRIND. But that Jet situation with the Harden, it's just something it's too – you know, I'm not going to say it's, uh, you know, what do they call it when, uh, I forgot, they Cowboys had one years ago. I think that was with uh, Dan, well, not Dan Campbell. He's doing a good job in Detroit. That was more with, um, who was that with? I forgot. But they call it uh, Camp Cupcake. Um, I forgot who that who's watched that felt under fell under. But I'm not going to go that far to think it's Camp Cupcake with the Jets. I just feel like it's a lot of the players are still awestruck. And, and I think that's the problem that you run into when you have a much as young, talented players as the Jets do. And you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers that's been doing it so long. And he's kind of been one of the faces of the league. These young men are straight only a year, two years removed from college. So I get it. But I think it's up to Robert Sala. And I think it's up to Hackett to kind of step in and say, hey, man, enough. Worry about basically what route or if we have to make a change at the line of scrimmage, make sure you know that instead of reminiscing about how old you were when he won the Super Bowl last. I mean, you got Method Man showing up. You, you, I mean, you got you start having celebrities hang out at camp. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. 877-37-GRIND. What else did I want to touch on? There was some other NFL uh, news that was kind of going on as well, too. Some other stuff. We talked about the situation with Eric B. Yes, I want to talk about this. Briefly, Baker Mayfield, we talked last week. He's in a quarterback compet- uh, competition with Trask, and it's come out that they're going to split. He's going to start the preseason game, but they're going to split snap counts pretty much throughout the preseason. Yeah, Baker's going to start game preseason game one. Trask is going to start preseason game two. Um, look, I told you, me and you, like, if Baker loses this job to Trask at any point this season, you're going to have to lighten up and remove from this Baker Mayfield dying on the hill. I've already I mean, told you it makes more sense for the Buccaneers to move forward with Trask. Then why do they get him, Jonas? Then why do they go get Baker? If if that's the case, that if Baker is a veteran. Like at the end of the day, you still have, you still have. Let's see, you still have Mike Evans over there. You have Goodwin. You have White on defense. You have uh, who else you got? You've got some players to where you got some veterans where you got to at least try to be competitive. These guys that have been that won a Super Bowl a couple years ago that's still lingering over there, they're not in. You're this is not really about. We know it's a rebuild to a certain extent, but my point is you still want to put the best guy out there to try to win games. If they thought if they really thought Trask was a hundred percent going to be the guy. I don't think you go out and even get a Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, we can say what we want to say about Baker Mayfield, but he's been a starter in this league. As you said, he led a team to the playoffs. So the reality of it is this this competition is not supposed to be this close. And I'm hearing Baker Mayfield is having interception problems in camp early on, too. Again, I don't don't kill the messenger. I don't know why it's such a big deal that interceptions are reported on in camp. I get it. You know, we're a social media era. There's the eyes of everything. Oh, oh, this everything's a storyline. But again, don't care. Don't kill the messenger. That's just basically what the reality of it is. But I'm just telling you, 
Baker Mayfield is not supposed to lose this job, especially before week one, to Trask. He's not. Tra First of all, Trask ain't even got that much real game action. I mean, other than nope. pre other, with Tom Brady, that tra Trask ain't even been on the field. And correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, he was he wasn't he hasn't been on any other NFL team, has he? He was drafted by the Bucks wasn't in he? 2021. Yeah. What third Come round on. pick? This ain't supposed to be this tight, bro. It's not. Well, again, I, I don't know that it's necessarily a tight competition. You've already you're already out there saying too. You're on the record saying you know, that the Buccaneers, you know, whether it's Baker or whether it's Trask, could find themselves in the in, in the Caleb Williams conversation anyway. That that really could be their end all goal. Now you've got to, you you don't need you don't need Goodell to make a pull an Adam Silver and come out and say hey we we can't have handle tanking here out here we 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 need teams to be competitive right so it, it's one of those things where if if you can again it's a report it could be a reported story Kyle Trask beats out Baker Mayfield in training camp and they say oh well Kyle Trask you know he's been around in the Trask he's been around in the system for a little while you know uh, Baker you know, he's great he he's been a starter in this league we're happy to have him on the bench here with Trask and and you know guide him in his career uh, but we feel like you know where we're at as a team right now as a franchise we want to move forward with Trask. Even though Baker could be, I'm not saying he is, he could be the better quarterback. He could win that competition, but they could move forward with Trask because it's going to, they're sliding into first with they're trying to trying to slide into first right. for the draft. Well, I'll give you one thing you said there that is true. I, I do feel that way. I mean, whether it's Baker Mayfield or Trask, I do feel that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, um, despite their NFC South division being up for grabs, I think that they should probably are probably going to end up in the top three, top five pick in the NFL. Um, that's just my opinion. I hate to say that because I hate to do that to uh, Todd Bowles. I feel like it's deja vu all over what happened to him with the Jets. Uh, but the reality of it is I just think they're going to be challenged. And I've told you, you know, what I'm looking for with the Tampa Bay Bucks this year is really the demeanor of Mike Evans and some of these guys, the veterans that were here uh, for the Super Bowl they won a few years ago. What is their attitude going to be like? Because that's not easy, especially if you go from, I mean, even when Bruce Aarons was there, even before Tom showed up, they were competitive. I mean, they, you know, they didn't make the playoffs. They were competitive. That one year, the last year, Jameis Winston played with them. I mean, the way he threw for, what, 4,000, 5,000 yards, but had like 100 interceptions. I mean, they've been competitive, but one of it, the wheels really fall off this year. What kind of attitude do you get from a Evans, from a Goodwin? That's something that's going to be interested, interesting to watch uh, with the Tampa Bay Bucks, in my opinion. Well, Mike Evans is too busy talking about Johnny Manziel to really weigh in on any of his current quarterbacks. Well, Johnny's on the docket. I guess we'll get to that when we get back. You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro DeBell Tequila Studios. We'll be back. When life sounds too much like this. It's time to consider more of this. Sometimes a little shift is all you need. A dose of perspective. Dos Equis Lager. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Copyright 2021. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. 
Whether you're looking for a date night at the Dominion or a light meal while shopping on the weekend, stop by Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion. Just five minutes north of the shopping center, Thai Lao Orchid's Vietnamese options are great for dinner or lunch, serving up staples from curry and noodles to the house special nam and seafood lovers steamed clay pot. They're open weeknights from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and noon till 9 on Saturdays and noon to 8 on Sundays. That's Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. It's time to warm up that scoreboard and get ready to bring home the win with Specs. Specs has you covered with lower prices on all your favorite fan fuel. From craft beer, rare spirits, and world-class wine to chips, dips, and gourmet finer foods. And with same-day delivery when you order online or through the app, Specs is your MVP for the biggest score of the game. At Specs, the fun starts here. Here's to you, cheers to savings. Just because the sun is setting earlier doesn't mean the fun stops sooner. Now is the perfect time to get to Specs and stock up on after-summer savings with fresh new releases in every category. Specs has Texas' largest selection of lower-priced wines, craft cocktail ingredients, and beers that'll have you raising a glass to every sunset. The biggest savings of the season are at Specs. The fun starts here. 